As consumers, we are bombarded by it at every turn, like the Incredible Hulk being bombarded by gamma rays. But what makes some media endure, while others are banished to the forgotten black hole of obscurity, never to be heard from again? Who or what decides this? Hetero life mate Steve and Yehel wanna know, and they wanna know now. This is Obscurity Now. now, now, now. What's up, everybody? Are we connected? Re- All right, we are. All right. I believe so. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Obscurity Now, the show where we take a look at a weird and almost forgotten piece of media, and we uh, decide if they should be tossed into the black hole of obscurity or remembered for all of human history. Uh, my name is Steve, and I'm one of the hosts, and with me is a man who's always on a journey from the place where he lives to the castle it's <laughs> it is uh yeah hell how are you doing steve i haven't been to the castle in a, in a while now but uh I, that's probably is that a good thing or a bad thing i mean I, it's probably for the best at my age you know <laughs> <laughs> yes you're you're a very young uh, late uh <laughs> we'll, we'll just keep it a mystery for all the listeners but yeah. now i'm uh doing great i'm uh, ready to uh discuss uh the brave little toaster um but before that i always forget uh i want to remind people to subscribe at the beginning of the show because uh, why not i mean we usually wait for the end but uh hey sure what 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 will it hurt right <laughs> <laughs> steve I, I love the confidence you you brought to that call to action <laughs> Yeah. Uh, j- just amazing. I'm like uh, turning into yeah, Millhouse. I mean, yeah, well, why, why not? not? Hey, it's not going to hurt anyone. I'm turning into like Millhouse's yeah. dad over here. You, you sound like the worst like drug dealer on his first day of dealing drugs. <laughs> hey, kids. I've got some crack here. Well, why not? It'll make you feel good. I promise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So uh, what else is? Go- so you're going to a, uh, a convention coming up. Is that right? Uh, yes, I will be at Retro World Expo. Um, they did ask me if I wanted to uh, do a panel again this year. I did a panel last time, but I declined because I just wasn't going to have time to prepare anything. And also, I just kind of wanted to not have any obligations. But um, I'll be walking around. Uh, I will be at the um, Bob from Retro RGB is does have like a little table kind of reserved. And he is going to have uh, like other YouTubers like myself kind of drop by for a little bit. So I will be at Bob's, excuse me, at the Retro RGB booth uh, here and there. Uh, I'll probably be drunk, but um, <laughs> you see me, please uh, welcome to say hi, get a picture, whatever you want, uh, buy me a drink. I won't say that. No obligations. The Yehel Velasquez story. That's uh, going to be yeah. your the biography. I'm going to write for you after you die because you're going uh, first. <laughs> Last Yeah, I mean, I'd probably. Last <laughs> time I was at Retro World Expo, none of the YouTubers, and it was like my first time doing a convention, mm-hmm. and nobody was really drinking, uh, <laughs> even though there was like a bar right there. What? <laughs> at the uh, hotel lobby mm-hmm. that we were all like staying in, which is connected to the convention center. So naturally... I found uh, it was Corey from My Life in Gaming that I, I was like, I feel like this guy's probably like a drinker. <laughs> and sorry, Corey, if you're listening. I was like, hey, Corey, uh, I'm going to get a drink. You want me to grab something for you? He's like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. I think he ordered like a, like a rum and coke or something like that. Anyways, 
Next thing you know, I ended up getting everybody drunk, and everybody was nice and hungover for their panels and stuff the next day. So uh, if you had a bad experience at a panel at Retro World Expo, you can thank me. Uh, I, I hear you uh, ruined several people's, like, uh, AA stint. They had to turn in their tokens after that. Probably, yeah, probably. Way, way to go. I, I look forward to the day where we can both do a convention and uh, get everyone just uh, completely wasted on something. I don't know. Yeah. On 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 love for a uh, fellow man. That's what I'm going to get. Right, 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 right. One hundred percent. One giant man orgy. That's what you're getting at, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, there'll still be women there too. But uh, anyways, I'll tell you what we won't be getting drunk off is uh, the Brave Little Toaster because it is an alcohol-free uh, film. Oh, but uh, there's a uh, plenty, I think, of uh, drug-induced imagery in it. Uh, <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, or uh, as a lot, you know, a popular term that gets thrown around a lot is uh, nightmare fuel um, for, I guess, a lot of the the younger people who uh, watch this. And uh, before we get uh, too deep into the brave little toaster, um, now, first off, it's not streaming anywhere. <laughs> the sequels are streaming on Disney+. Plus. Uh, we'll get into the reason why uh, shortly. But some good Samaritans have uploaded it onto YouTube. So there's going to be tons of spoilers coming up. But you can go watch it right now so you know about what we're talking about. About the nightmare fuel, the highs, the lows, and all of that stuff. Um, and Yeah, and the version that was uploaded on YouTube, I mean, there's a few. Uh, the one that says PAL, so I guess it's from the PAL region, but... It'll see it was uploaded nine years ago. I'll throw the link in the chat. Uh, but yeah, the quality of the upload is really good. Um, I'm surprised it's up, frankly, uh, and that it's been up for nine years. Yeah, I guess um, Hyperion Pictures, who are the... Is embarrassed. No, no, embarrassed, man. You're and crazy. they don't want to claim responsibility? Is that what's going on? Nah, they're just think? like, uh, Disney, we're not going to let you stream this awesome movie. Whoops, spoiler alert. Uh, we're not going to let you have it, but you can have the crappy sequels, no problem. Um, but uh, so, are you ready to discuss the Brave Little Toaster? I, I am quite ready to discuss this film. <laughs> oh, this is going to be an interesting episode. Let's do it. Welcome to your feature presentation. All right, uh, The Brave Little Toaster, in case you've never heard of it, it's an animated feature film. It premiered May 8th, 1987. It's one hour and 30 minutes, and uh, whew, it's rated G, even though some people might say it probably should be PG. Uh, so, I mean, I already know the answer to this, but uh, what is your experience with The Brave Little Toaster? I've never heard of it. Uh, I'm sorry, I've never watched it. I have heard of it, of course. Uh, but yeah, I never watched it. Didn't really know what it was about. Um, and yeah, today was my first time watching it. What about you, Steve? I. It sounds like you have a long, uh, deep, maybe emotional history with uh, The Little Toaster because I, 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 the, the few people, I, I text a few people, let them know that I was you know, watching it because we were covering it. And they all were like, oh, I cried at this part. Oh, I... Got was traumatized by this, you know. So <laughs> it seems like um, people that watched it as a kid have very strong emotions and memories seared into their little child brains. Well, uh, much like the uh, Chipmunk Adventure, which uh, we covered, <laughs> I don't know, maybe a year ago when we first started this podcast, 
this is one of those uh, honey-cut classic films that uh, we recorded off of uh, the Disney Channel and just uh, wore that VHS tape out. Um, now, as far as, like, actually crying during the film, uh, I don't think I ever did that. And You're, you're, um, you're too alpha of a child. You, you're an Andrew Tate <laughs> <yeah>. child. <laughs> there, there he is again. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was already busy thinking about, you know, which uh, six-year-old I was going to date. Of course, in this scenario, I'm six years old as well. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Good thing I yeah, cleared that up. Say, if uh, anybody wants to take a cl- that clip out of context, please, by all means. <laughs> I mean, I'm just happy that you're listening, but please don't. Uh, anyway, uh, no, no, I mean, I don't know. I just remember, you know, I, guess, I think when you watch stuff as, a, you know, as a six-year-old or whatever, you're just like, hey, this is cartoons. I don't really care what's going on. But, uh, you know, in some of the more surreal sort of dream sequences, I'm sure there were times that I was like, oh, boy, that's weird. But, you know, I just sort of acknowledge and move on and, uh, and uh, get, you know, get to the end of the film and then probably just watch it again. So, yeah, yeah, I have a pretty strong uh, history with the brave little toaster. Uh, here's uh, the synopsis uh, for those of you who don't know. It's a group of dated appliances embark on a journey to the city to find their master after being abandoned in a cabin in the woods. Like, already, it sounds uh, very uh, tear-inducing. <laughs> and uh, sure. this was uh, directed by uh, Jerry Reese. Um, he basically started out uh, as a... It seems like in all of these uh, sort of um, cartoons and animated movies that we watch, like... Uh, the directors, they start out like doing storyboards, production storyboards, and Jerry is no different. He did production storyboards on the original Tron, so watch out. And uh, then somehow he moved on to Heathcliff and the Cadillac Cats. Do you remember that cartoon? I sure do. Yeah. I watched it uh, I'm trying to remember if um, if it was any good or not. I really can't remember I mean I just but I, I vi- I vaguely recall Heathcliff being better than Garfield. What? Oh, I remember just saying. I think I remember saying, "Why isn't he Garfield?" <laughs> He's like the less <laughs> less popular Garfield, but I think we need to add that one to the list. Um, but uh, but yeah, that was stuff that he did uh, production storyboards on because I think his like storyboarding, aside from this movie, is more impressive than his directing credits. Basically, he directed the Brave Little Toaster and then went on to this uh, live action film called The Marrying Man started uh, starring uh, recent murderer Alec Baldwin and uh, former (laughs) wife uh, Kim Basinger. What? What's funny? (laughs) Nothing. Nothing's funny. Uh, And uh, an interesting descriptor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But The Marrying Man, I was actually watching it last night at work. Uh, Well, it bombed and it's not a terrible movie, but it looked pretty expensive and there's an old adage in the biz <laughs> let me tell you because i've been been in hollywood for a long time you know i know how the biz works uh, if you're a director you're supposed to already have your like a next project lined up so if the current one bombs you already have work lined up i think that might be uh jerry's uh, sort of shortcoming here because after this, he didn't really direct anything like big. He directed uh, the rock and roller coaster sort of like intro video. You ever go on that roller coaster at Disney, the Aerosmith one? Is that like the Aerosmith? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I guess he directed after this is after 
uh, the Brave Little Toaster and the Marrying Man. He then did. Yeah, that's the natural progression. Aerosmith <laughs> themed roller coasters after you've uh, yeah. done a children's cartoon. Yeah. So that was basically what he did um, for a while. There was just uh, Disney theme park related little like videos and whatnot, uh, which is unfortunate because uh, I think he's a uh, pretty decent. But you know, whatever. And then. Uh, the last thing that he, uh, or at least feature that he directed was this, uh, it looks like an indie film called Susie's Hope, which it's about some sort of, uh, I don't know, pit bull that gets rescued or whatever. Uh, sounds kind of sad. But anyway, <laughs> moving on, we got the uh, writers here, uh, Thomas M. Dish, who was called by Newsweek magazine, the most formidably gifted, unfamous American writer uh this um movie, what a write-up i know what a right man this movie is based like, is that an insult or a compliment I, like i it's I a backhanded compliment is what it sounds like yeah. uh but uh but yeah this movie is based on his novella uh has anybody read it uh let us know <laughs> and i guess uh, not if not he'd be more famous right 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 exactly um but then i guess uh, you know he gets credit for the uh two Brave Little Toaster uh, sequels. So this is a trilogy, everyone. Brave Little Toaster uh, was uh, followed by Brave Little Toaster to the Rescue and Brave Little Toaster Goes to Mars. That's like uh, yeah. machete. And then there's another one where like they, I guess they felt they needed to, from what I was reading, I don't know, maybe make it a little bit more realistic. And he's called the, the Pussy Little Toaster. What? And what? he's just... Uh, that's not real. <laughs> yeah, that's very real. And uh, it is only available in adult bookstores from what i understand it should, shouldn't it be the brave little pussy i mean <laughs> no because you gotta keep the toaster anyway say, i don't oh, want to because explain of the marketing because uh, of the marketing the other movie biz uh industry <laughs> to you right now well i mean i hear it's pretty strong in tampa or always has been um but uh but anyway yeah so Basically, all he's known for is Brave Little Toaster-related stuff. There's like a weird, um, but there's also a weird short film or something on uh, IMDb. And uh, the aforementioned director, Jerry Reese, is also credited as working on um, the screenplay here for Brave Little Toaster. And uh, he's also helped write uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Uh, make sure you... Oh, wait, I already mentioned them. Never mind. And then uh, Joe, Joe Ranth, Ramped who uh, I don't mean to get into your area of the cast here. Oh, no, it's uh, fine. He, um, I mean, this guy, he took off after this movie. He worked on uh, The Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, Toy Story, The Rescuers Down Under, uh, like as a writer. And he is also the voice of the evil clown, um, who we're going to see uh, later once we get into the, uh, once we get into the plot here. And uh, lastly, uh, the production companies. This was uh, produced by Hyperion Pictures and uh, the Kushner Lock Company. And then uncredited is the Walt Disney uh, Corporation. <laughs> and uh, we're going to get into the story of that later on as well. Uh, yeah, hell, what nobodies are in the Brave Little Toaster? <laughs> well, it's a pretty sizable cast, so I'm only going to go through the uh, better known ones. Uh, first up, uh, I guess this would be the top or most well-known actor at the time then, uh, John Lovitz. He's still active. Uh, I'm a big John Lovitz fan. I don't know if you are. Oh, definitely. Um, critic, man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, th this movie has like a really talented cast for the most part. 
John Lovitz, he's been in a bunch of stuff, still has stuff coming out. I don't think we need to go over what he's been in. Uh, We've got Timothy Stack, who we recently covered one of his projects, um, Son of the Beach. Yeah. Um, But yeah, he's written a bunch of stuff, acting a bunch of stuff. Really funny guy. Um, Then we've got Phil Hartman, the late Phil Hartman, uh, who was murdered. Uh, not by Alec Baldwin, though, by his wife. <laughs> Just Thanks for to be keeping clear. The, the murder joke going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure their families would really appreciate yeah, their deaths absolutely. being the butt of a joke on a little podcast. But hey, I was hey, devastated. Their deaths weren't in vain. I was devastated when Phil Hartman died. Actually, I was too, man. Yeah, I'm a I huge love Phil, Phil Hartman. Hartman yeah. yeah, yeah. He's amazing, amazing. Uh, anyways, um, so he is no longer acting, <laughs> as you can imagine. <laughs> He has no he's projects acting, coming out. He's acting in our hearts and minds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, but, you know, he, SNL legend. He's in a bunch of movies. Uh, great. He's got tons of classic stuff. Mm-hmm. Then, um, oh, by the way, so John Lovitz, I should mention, he did the voice of the radio. Timothy Stack is the voice of the lamp. Mm-hmm. Phil Hartman is the voice of the air conditioner. Uh, then we've got a bunch of people who I'm not really familiar with. Mindy Sterling, she did a bunch of stuff. She's the voice of the mom. She was like in Austin Powers and a bunch of other things. Um, and I mean, those were really only the people that I really recognize. I don't know if there was anybody else that you saw that you think is worth mentioning. Uh, I mean, I just want to say this guy's name. Uh, I mean, we have to at least cover the main toaster group. And you did most of them. Uh, you left out uh, Timothy E. Day as Blanky. Uh, I mean, I've never, I'm not familiar what else uh, he's um, he's done, but uh, the voice of uh, the vacuum Kirby. Yeah. His name is amazing name. Thurl Ravenscroft. I mean, I just yeah, just wanted to say that. I think he's starting his own uh, Harry Potter house in the reboot. <laughs> he's, uh, uh, that name. He, he's the owner of the castle, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> it might be. <laughs> Um, uh, for people that don't know, the castle is a uh, nightclub in uh, Ybor City, slash Tampa. Ground. Yeah, it is uh, not my hunting ground, Steve. Uh, it is a place I do enjoy going though. But yeah, it looks like a castle, and they tend to play industrial music, and it attracts a lot of golf. <laughs> this show is brought to you by the ta- uh, the Ybor the castle. City Castle. Yeah. Um, all right, so the music here, um, which I think is, uh, the score is pretty great. Uh, it's done by David Newman. I guess uh, no relation to Randy Newman. <laughs> it, he, he has also worked on Serenity, Daddy Daycare, like tons of stuff. And the actual songs in the, in the movie, because this is, I guess, technically a, a musical. There's only like four songs. It's not like a you know, Mary Poppins or anything like that is done by Van Dyke Parks, who uh, did work on Heathers and The Departed. Uh, you, <laughs> That's an odd uh, leap to go from The Brave yeah, Little yeah. to The Departed. Um, sure is. And uh, the, man, there's a lot of uh, sort of history with just like the production of The Brave Little Toaster here. Um, do you know who uh, John Lasseter is by any chance? The name sounds familiar, but uh, hit hit me with the deets, Steve. <laughs> he was like the head of Pixar before he was recently sort of uh, me too. Is he murder? He was me tooed out of there. Uh, and oh, now... maybe maybe he had a run in with the, one of the Baldwin's. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, no no. And, you know, this isn't even topical. Like that, the Baldwin thing happened so long ago. <laughs> well, 
people should still talk about it because it looks like he's gonna skate or i don't know uh but uh yeah whatever uh <laughs> that's a different podcast but anyway john lasseter yeah he was the head of pixar unfortunately he was sort of ousted under false pretenses and now he's the head of like skydance or something like that so he's he's doing fine but this was the first movie that he pitched to disney to be a, a cgi you know a, a movie uh basically um so uh he he pitched it to this guy at disney um and then the guy was like why would uh he like asked how much it was gonna be and he was like oh 18 million you know the basically the same price of a 2d animation and the guy was like uh, why would I? Why would we make something with computers unless it was going to save us money? And so that was the end of the um, the meeting. And then he was immediately fired after that. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Uh, that's so uh, crazy. Um, by the way, we do have Seabass, uh, uh, the great here, uh, longtime subscriber of my, of my YouTube channel. Thanks for checking it out, man. But uh, checking out the podcast, he said, "I'm here. I have this soundtrack on cassette and CD." Oh, now that's a fan. Ooh, I, I like this guy. That's kick-ass, Seabass. Kick-ass. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you and I are going to have to team up here, Seabass, because I, I, uh, I think I see the writing on the wall here. But uh, moving on. Um, so, yeah, he was fired. And then the um, basically the Brave Little Toaster got kicked down to Hyperion Pictures, which had been created by former Disney employees. Um, and, uh, it also, the, the film itself, it made history as the first animated film ever exhibited at, uh, the Sundance, uh, film festival. Um, and, um, yeah, and as we said, there's, um, it's not streaming anywhere. And that's just because there's, uh, distribution problems between, uh, Disney and, uh, Hyperion. And, uh, after it premiered at the film festival and was ready to go, they had a, um, this art house production company pick it up so it can actually get a theatrical release but a good old family friendly disney didn't want any competition so they're like oh like they had the tv distribution right so they're like eh we're just gonna go ahead and premiere it on the disney channel <laughs> so yeah yeah they, they basically premiered it first yeah. to like undercut the, the theatrical release yep so they screwed them out of, of a theatrical release. i can't believe disney would do <laughs> They're so family friendly. They're so inclusive and everything. Like, how could they, how could a corporation undercut someone? I've never heard of that ever happening in history. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's basically the highlights of. Um, uh, I guess another sort of uh, fun fact here is that uh, originally, yeah, they wanted to do uh, um, have a budget of eighteen million, and after it got kicked down to Hyperion, it was like half that. And they were going to send it uh, to be animated overseas, but everyone was so passionate about the project that they basically took pay cuts so they could do the film uh, more or less. Uh, well, I mean, but there are a lot of foreign animators in this in the credits I, uh, sure. I saw. I think they it, definitely shipped. Some of it was definitely done overseas, which, I mean, th that's pretty typical even if you do have a big, if you had a big budget. Right, so. right. I think it's more of like, you know, the core creative cast and like the, uh, probably the voice actors too. Um but uh yeah so uh you ready to dump uh, dump ready to jump into the plot here sure uh, i do want to point out one thing so seabass mentioned i know this is getting a little bit ahead but uh, i by the way i guess this was translated to spanish but uh he mentioned uh besides that he said that the ac unit committed suicide in the beginning and that traumatized him for a good while now 
I didn't. I, I guess what we can talk about that scene when we get to it, but mm-hmm. I didn't see it as him committing suicide. But yeah, maybe I misinterpreted. I, I it. didn't get that either. But yeah, we're gonna get there pretty quick because it's. But pretty... the but but the vacuum cleaner did try to make suicide. Yeah. Commit suicide. <laughs> that could be sure. argued. That could be argued. Sure. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna unpack all of these very traumatizing moments right now. All right. So the film opens with a slow zoom in on sort of a it already looks kind of like a sad looking cabin just surrounded by these uh, dark woods. And they're um, they're running the credits. uh, And now we are in the house and we zoom in on the toaster and the vacuum. And they're all they're not really they haven't sprung to life yet. They just look like regular toasters and vacuums and radios. And then we see. A picture of a young boy who was later revealed to be uh, the master. Uh, suddenly, the radio goes off, and he gives a news report. And uh, then there's another voice that says he's uh, trying to get some sleep. Then a light shines on the radio. Uh, then the desk lamp walks toward the radio. Oh my gosh, my dreams are coming to life. <laughs> uh, and uh, and the radio leaps back. So. Basically, they're just showing you that, you know, all these uh, characters, these that are normally regular appliances are actually like sentient uh, you know, beings in this world. Uh, mm-hmm. Sounds very similar. Now, have you you've actually seen Toy Story, right? Yeah. Yeah. This felt very similar to Toy Story. And I know that a lot of the people that worked on this kind of went on to uh, start uh, or at least we're there at the genesis of uh, Toy sure. Story, uh, Pixar, especially one John Lasseter. Uh, so. Radio then bounces on the bed. Uh, he wakes up the blanket. Uh, then um, we see the AC unit spring to life. He coughs out uh, up dust. And then along comes Kirby to vacuum it up. And uh, then we see uh, the toaster. And it looks like he's ready to shoot up some toasts. But, you know, his, like, switch goes up. And he sees that there's no um, toast in there. And he looks a little distraught and sad. Uh, radio continues to chase uh, the lamp, who's known as Lampy, um, as the as Toaster laughs at them. And then the Blanky, he sort of glides down the stairs and ends up covering up the radio and Blanky. And then along comes uh, the vacuum, and he accidentally sucks up the blanket, and they're all sort of stuck together in this uh, orgy of appliances, basically. I like to use yeah. the word orgy as much as I can whenever I'm I've podcasting. I've noticed, Steve, uh, <laughs> you are, this is the second time now you've used orgy uh, while talking about this children's movie. So <laughs> I, just, I just, I don't know. I don't know. You're uh, the one fans, who got audience, it. take that as you will. You got an entire convention, a gaming convention drunk. Like, who's the deviant I mean, just, here? Ju- just the content creators. Well, Steve, they were all of legal drinking age. <laughs> Well, that's good. I'm glad you got. I'm glad you cleared that up. So, what do you think about the opening? What were your initial thoughts uh, so far? Since you're a guy who's never watched this before, uh, it was fine, I guess. Uh, I hate the voice of uh, the toaster. What? Um, I don't know. I just found it grating and annoying. Um, but you know, again, I don't have nostalgia for it. I'm obviously not the the target audience. You know. Uh, it was okay. It was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what did you think, Steve? It seems like you really, it really uh, titillated your your senses. <laughs> well, like, I mean, it's hard. I have a bias, uh, obviously, since I grew up with the film. I mean, but watching it again, I mean, it was uh, totally nostalgic for me. I mean, I loved, uh, I mean, just as a guy who watches a lot of movies and 
critiques them all. I mean, I loved how they all sort of sprang to life and uh, did what they would normally do, like back when the master was there. There's sort of like, um, I mean, if you want to compare it to other things, it's like <laughs> zombies and Dawn of the Dead, how they all go to the mall, like even though they're all dead, just okay. doing the same thing over. Yeah, terrible comparison, but uh, it works. It's apt. It's apt. Okay. Uh, okay. So uh, moving on, um, so they basically untangle themselves from uh, from Blanky, and then the toaster basically he says, uh, "Good morning, everyone." And Radio and Lamp uh, asks what they're gonna do today, and um, Kirby, who I guess is supposed to represent like he's the realist of the group, uh, you could also sort of judge him as um, a pessimist properly. He says. We're gonna be doing chores just like every day, and um, and then he says uh, it's work. It's not supposed to be fun because the lamp or the blanket. I can't remember. It's like work. Oh, it's the blanket. He goes work. I don't want to do work. It's not fun. And then yeah, he says it's it's not supposed to be fun. And uh, yeah, so but then ra- radio motivates the crew with uh, Little Richard's uh, Tutti Frutti. Uh, what did you think when uh, when that song was being played? What, how did you feel? I, I like Little Richard. And I think Tutti Frutti is a fun song. Oh, I hated it. What? Hated it here. You hated it hated here? It. Why? Because I was afraid, I, I was afraid, again, I knew nothing about this movie really mm-hmm. going into it. And I was afraid that it was gonna have a bunch of songs in it. And even as a kid, I sound like a real annoying shit kid, but even as a kid, I didn't like, generally speaking, like songs in my movies, in oh, my I, kid movies. I agree with you. Uh, I mean, I think I, we've established that you and I pretty much hate musicals for the most part. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know I like musicals, but like real ones like Miss Saigon or um, Les Mis. Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I, I guess I'm uh, mistaken here then. All right. So, Phantom I... of the Opera? Are you kidding? Every song on Phantom of the Opera is, as the kids would say, a banger. Like, uh, I don't really care for musicals, especially Broadway ones, usually because the music sucks. <laughs> or, all right. I shouldn't, oh, I, say, I, wow. I shouldn't say it sucks. Wow. I don't normally care for it. Like, I like a few things here and there. I like the Rocky Art Picture Show. I like. Uh, um, Evil Dead, the musical. I mean, that's stuff that more appeals to me than they. I mean, and I've even been in a musical and I still don't really like them. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that's great, Steve. Uh, I hope you like the family that you're currently in, or are you <laughs> lying to them too? Uh, just playing a part, I guess, right? <laughs> whatever whatever gets you on the hey, world stage, I'm Steve. an actor, you bastard. I mean, I just, <laughs> or I used to be. I would just do whatever the paycheck said I had to do, basically. Wow. Okay, all right, so, right, well. so let's get this straight here. All right. You're a guy who likes musicals, but as a yep. kid, you didn't like music in your cartoons? Clear that up because for me. The music, because the songs tend to be like pretty cringy and like kind of cheesy. True, and true. there's always like, not always, but there's usually like some dumb little dance. And just as a kid, I, I just thought it was like, I don't know. But that's a musical, I, like, man. I, that's a musical. No, but but like this is a cartoon. Like I'm not trying to watch a musical, and as like and I didn't like get into like musicals until later as an adult. Anyway, okay. or at least like a, okay. in my teens. Mm-hmm. So as a kid, I was just like, oh, this music, these musical numbers are like getting in the way of the story. They're getting in the way of the cartoon. See, that's that's how I that's how I felt then, and I feel that way pretty much now. 
So when I watch a musical and it's nothing but singing, like here, quick sidetrack here. So remember when Chicago came out, the movie? The one with uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones? Yeah, and... Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, all right, so me and some other dudes, I think we thought it was going to be like The Untouchables. Uh, we th- <laughs> <laughs> So me and some other uh, regular straight white dudes, I mean, not that you can't like musicals and be straight or whatever. We went to Chicago expecting The Untouchables, and then we got... <laughs> Chicago, which is nothing but singing. They do nothing but singing of that. We were were done. We were just like, why did we sit through that? (laughs) It was a pretty fun adaptation, I thought. I mean, I then that's like I really hate like Hollywood just won't give up on the music on the musical either. It's like they still make them, and I still hate them. But anyway, so wait, hold on. While we're on this tangent, have you ever watched the um, Phantom of the Opera film with um, Gerard Butler in it? No, no, I haven't. Okay, so Phantom of the Opera is one of my favorite musicals, and uh, but you should watch the Gerard Butler one because it's fucking unintentionally hilarious. Because Gerard Butler clearly can't sing, but it's him singing. And I remember like watching like a, a something on like Entertainment Tonight, you know, like where he was like going to like a vocal coach or whatever. So what he does is he screams a lot of the lyrics, especially <laughs> if it's like a higher note. He just kind of like yells it. It's mm-hmm. amazing. So there's definitely some entertainment value uh, to be gleaned from the not-so-smooth or sultry vocals of one Gerard Butler. All right. That, all right. I will, I will take you up on that someday. But for now, just, to, just so I have everything straight in my head about you and music in film and TV or whatever is that. All right. So as a kid, you hated music in your cartoons and your animated movies. For the most part, yeah. But as an adult, you don't mind it. You don't mind musicals and and or feature film adaptations of musicals. Is that what I'm getting? Right. But I still don't want like a song, a random song in the middle of my regular film, whether it's an animated movie or a live action film. All right. All right. That's not what I'm here for, Daddy. And and to to clear it up for myself, um, if. Maybe if the music sort of skews more towards what I like, I don't mind it. But if the entire movie is all singing like Chicago and that uh, repo, the genetic opera, did you ever see that one? Uh, No. Well, I saw a little bit of it, but yeah, that one also was nothing but singing. It's like, I I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, So, all right. (laughs) Back to to the brave little toast. All right. Nobody cares about this. Let's move on. I loved (laughs) as a kid hearing again like what's essentially a rock song in an animated movie because you know much like we said back with um alvin and the chipmunks basically what you get in these animated movies are disney songs which are usually pretty cheesy and and grating um but uh but to hear an actual song that you would hear like on the radio being played in an animated movie like uh, i loved it i loved it um but uh but you hated it is that right uh, yeah, yeah, I <laughs> okay. did not like it today. And I like, like I said, I am a fan of, um, oh my God, I just forgot his name, but, uh, Little you know, the, Little Richard. Thank you. Little Richard. Yeah. Uh, and I like Tutti Frutti. I think it's, uh, I think it's pretty, it's fucking pretty badass, man. No, like that's the piano a great part. song. Sure. Yeah. I mean, little... get the fuck out of here. Like it's pretty badass, but, uh, <laughs> but you don't like it in the brave little toaster. Hmm. 
no, learning a no. lot about you on this episode. Are you? Uh, are you? I think we're learning a lot about each other. <laughs> I think we are. I think we are. I think there's a rift forming. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This just in podcast host wanted for obscurity now. All right. So uh, they clean the cabin happily until Blanket suddenly stops and stares off into the distance. And they all see that he's staring. And they're like, you know, what's going on, Blanket? And he goes, a car. Then they all uh, pile up on top of each other so they can reach the attic so they can get a nice high view of the car that's um, approaching. Uh, Blanket looks out and uh, he does uh, see um, that a uh, car is coming. And they're all asking if it's the master, the master. And then we get <laughs> one of many sort of uh, hallucinations or fever dreams, if you want to call that. Um, the blanket hallucinates that uh, the little boy from the picture we saw earlier is, uh, is approaching him. And uh, he, uh, he, sort of, he hallucinates that they're uh, about to like embrace. And right when they do, bam, they cut to the car. And it's, it turns out it was all just a big uh, dream. And it wasn't the master. Blanket cries. What did you think of our uh, first of many sort of nightmare-fueled dreams? What did you think of that? I, I was very confused as to why he was hallucinating, because I guess that's what it is, like, mm -hmm. or having a daydream or something. Like, it's very weird that it happens, it's used so often. Uh, I, I don't know. But, you know, I, this is meant for little kids, so I guess they wouldn't care. Um, I, but whatever. Um <laughs> My main concern at this point, or the, the thing I found like befuddling, is that they call their owner of the appliances, this guy that's going to college, their master. Mm -hmm. So they're all like, which kind of like, okay, that implies that they're all slaves, which I guess they are. Oh, here we go. Because earlier they're complaining about their work. So I don't <laughs> know if they were like, isn't that kind of like a weird choice of word though? Like, uh, would an owner have been like better? Or I mean, I know that that's not that much different from master, I right, guess. But right, I mean, you know. I never really thought of just it. Just use this name until you just brought it up. Um, it's very weird. This is like a very pro-servitude, pro-slavery <laughs> well, movie I mean, they, because they love their master. They right, love but, them. I mean, much like uh, much like robots. I mean, they're built to serve, so they would want to serve him. Like in this world. Yeah, but they're they're sentient and have free will also. But they want but, to. They they want to serve him. So that makes it okay to own them, Steve. Uh, in own this world, apparently, <laughs> I get. I see yeah, where it's, you're it's, getting there. Um, it's really weird. Uh, I mean, I, I again, this is meant for like kids, right? So well, like, they, little kids wouldn't think about this, but I just think master was like a weird, right? I mean, choice of a word. To me, this is more of a family film. I mean, obviously, they, you know, they push the envelope uh, a little bit with uh, yeah some of the, a lot of the imagery. Uh, in fact, that's why that one um, art house distributor was going to pick up the brave little toaster they were going to show it at like uh, evening and midnight showings because they felt it would work uh better for like uh you know older kids and like a college crowd yeah. uh i mean i could see i could see dudes getting really high and going to see this <laughs> um, i mean and 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 by the way and you know you're the one here that's a father right so maybe you can tell me if it's not really the case but you know kids from what I remember, as far as I know, like they tend to like pick up little things in movies and just repeat them, you know, or whatever. So like, I don't know, I could see like some kid watching this and being like, oh, I want a master, you know, or whatever, you know, like not meeting it like in any kind of weird way because, you know, it's just an innocent child. Mm -hmm. But uh, but that's why I think it's just like a weird 
word that they chose right. or they could have been like uh oh you know uh our friend like call him their friend or anything or just use his name instead of master like it was just kind of weird i gotcha i i can see that um so uh moving on um toaster says let's get back to work um uh, and then the blanket continues to cry cries over the picture of the master whose name is rob we can call him rob if it makes you feel better um <laughs> Kirby, I'm fine. <laughs> you, know, you seem I'm a free highly man. offended. You seem very. Yeah, I'm angry. not offended at all. No, I'm, I'm not offended at all, and I don't think it's like offensive either. I just think it's like <laughs> right. It's a little kind weird. of a weird choice. So uh, Kirby tries to grab um, or suck the picture away, um, and uh, the frame breaks, and uh, and then it looks like the wind is starting to blow the picture away, but in actuality, it's the air conditioner who laughs sarcastically. And in case you fell asleep uh, dur during Yale's reading of the cast, this is actually Phil Hartman doing a Jack Nicholson impression. And man, is it is it not spot on? It is spot on. And if I remember correctly, Phil Hartman did a Jack Nicholson impression a few times on SNL. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah. Yeah, he's very good. Known for that. Yeah. And then, I don't know, uh, the air conditioner here could also be seen as uh, maybe not... He's not a realist. He's almost more of like a, um, he seems like a conspiracy theorist, which isn't like, you know, something that anyone is. It's bored. weird that he started talking about QAnon. I, I did think like that was weird. <laughs> and the reptilians. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically. You, you, you know, everyone in government's a clone, Steve. Uh, oh, don't I know it, brother. <laughs> like, let's start up a new podcast all about it. Uh, but basically, the, the AC, um, and he's very cold and sarcastic. Get it? Because he's an air conditioner. Right. Um, he's like, uh, he's like, you guys got to give it up. That kid's not coming back. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, Kirby says something to him and then this is a, a fun line or anything that could also be misconstrued if you want. He's like, what are you going to do? Kirby suck me to death. <laughs> and, yeah. I, I thought that did get a chuckle out of me. <laughs> and then, um, the AC tells the crew that they've been dumped. Just give it up. Master's not coming back. And then they tell him that he's jealous because the master never played with them. And this is when he sort of goes on a, a tirade slash monologue. He's like, I don't, I was, like, I was made to be in the wall. Like, I know he's never going to play with me, blah, blah, blah. And then he starts, like, yeah. I think basically the idea here is uh, in all um, respect to Seabass, like, he's just, he freaks out and, like, he literally. He has, like, a nervous breakdown yeah, or something, like a mental break. Yeah, he blows a fuse, literally, um, which causes him to short circuit. And it also blows a fuse in the house. Um, but yeah, I remember uh, even as a kid, like <laughs> this, uh, watching that scene, it is a little unsettling, but it's supposed to be like, I mean, movies are supposed to make you feel. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. What did you think of the, uh, the interaction with the AC here? I mean, again, got a chuckle out of the, uh, what are you going to do? Suck me to death line. Like, uh, and I had seen that filled was the voice. So I was like, oh man, I bet that was an ad lib. <laughs> yeah. By, by Harvard, because it sounds like the kind of, same with the uh, when he starts going on, it's like, you think I don't see what's going on here? This is a conspiracy. You're all against me because you can move around and I can't. I'm like, gosh, that's yeah. so brilliant. Like, yeah, yeah. Like you can definitely see if you, you know, if you ever watched him on SNL, you could definitely see him like in some kind of like AC like costume or whatever, like <laughs> saying this stuff, right? Definitely. In definitely. fact, this would have made like a great skit on SNL. Yeah, this, like, yeah, for this sure. Fight. 
I mean, well, there's a lot but, uh, of great uh, sort of puns and metaphors, just or mostly puns, throughout the whole movie um, that are just sort of uh, they're delivered very deadpan. That I know as a kid I didn't get that I was getting now uh, for sure. Um, I, I wish there would have been more Phil Hartman in this uh, movie. I agree. But, he know. only comes back uh, one other time, um, but uh, I was gonna say it's pretty interesting that um, you know long after this, Phil Hartman ended up being on a news radio. So basically I feel like, I mean, who do you pick if both guys show up, who do you pick to be your radio? And I mean, they went with uh, John Lovitz, but uh, again, to touch on the uh, sad fact of Phil Hartman's uh, passing after, you know, he died, they replaced him with John Lovitz, who was the voice of the, of the radio. Did you ever watch news ah, radio? Interesting. Oh yeah, I love news radio. Yeah, great show. Uh, great, great show. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, Seabass here. He wrote, and I was actually going to mention this. So I'm glad he brought it up. That the AC says it's not my fault that the kid couldn't reach my knob when he's taught when they're talking about like, oh, he never wanted to play with you, and yeah. then he like has he finally like blows up like or whatever. Yeah. So know? it seems yeah. like he's accepted his lot in life, but uh, still isn't very. Happy Definitely has about some it. mentally. He's, yeah. he's mentally unwell. This air conditioning. <laughs> right. So, uh, all right, so everyone freaks out until, uh, okay, so what happens here? All right, uh, yeah, all right. so the AC freaks out. They hear another car, and uh, then they all sort of revert to their regular appliance self. I think they, later on, they say, they call that freezing. They're like, everybody freeze. Then um, they hear the sound of someone hammering down, and they peek out, and they see someone um, putting up a for sale sign on the house. Everyone freaks out until the toaster says they are going to find the master in the city. And, of course, in classic sort of hero's journey kind of fashion, everyone is reluctant at first. But then uh, they all eventually join in, uh, including Kirby. And then they have to figure out how they're going to travel since, you know, (laughs) these are all appliances and they need power. And they try a few things in a hilarious montage that uh, doesn't really work. Um, and then they eventually decide they get a car battery. The toaster hooks up a um, an outlet to it, and then they tie the car battery to a, um, a desk chair. And the, and Kirby the vacuum pulls them. Then they hit the road, and we're off to the races. Um, <clears throat> One thing you cannot charge a battery, a car battery, by plugging it into a wall. Just FYI <laughs> for those uh, out there. But. Um, also, um, did you notice that when the little toaster makes his speech to like rally the troops, he actually gets on a literal soap box? Oh no, I missed that. It's like a box like of soap. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Um, so, as they um, head out to the um, the very lush looking forest, I don't know. I just noted here that I mean, I thought the animation was very uh, beautiful as well as the score. Um, what did you think at this point? Yeah, the animation all through. I mean, it's really high quality animation, especially for 1987. Um, there's a lot of uh, scenes where they took the time to uh, when the camera's panning uh, in the 80s in particular, you wouldn't see a lot of like parallax scrolling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it would just be like everything's moving together basically yeah uh in real life obviously like your objects that are closer to the camera move faster mm-hmm. uh than the ones further back in the uh background so yeah they have some like nice stuff like that there's a few like shots where the camera you know quote unquote the camera is like going around the characters uh so they give it some 3d space so yeah there's some really nice animation what uh what did you think of the score so far uh forgettable Oh, it's okay. You bastard. It's fine. We're done. I, I, 
<laughs> I feel like it could have been like in any like eighties movie. I don't know. I, I just um, all right. In maybe. any eighties cartoon, I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was anything special. It wasn't bad. Just nothing that made me go, oh, this. I'll remember this over the score in The Land Before Time or something. Uh, well, I, all right. <laughs> I guess yeah, that's what I fucking that's thought, all we could say Steve. About that. All right. So, all right. That takes us. Speaking of music, into our first musical number. Uh, the City of Light. Um, what uh, what was your thoughts on this song? Why don't you? I, I didn't like any of the songs. So, well, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. I appreciated the B movie song later on. Thank you. I still could Thank have done you. without it, but at least like it was something unique. So and yeah, different, let's so. yeah let's already say all right. The songs are there, so I just want to know what you think about them. Uh, but I uh, don't. I didn't like this light song. I didn't like it. Right. I mean, I thought. This one was the most basic of them all, but typical of a, hey, we're starting off on our journey. Let's, you know, rah, rah, blah. I mean, I I didn't hate it, but I I feel like the better songs are stacked towards the end. So uh, they stop uh, and end up in some gray, dead wood looking area. They argue a little bit about where to go and what to do. And then they realize that they need to get uh, some sleep. And um, they need some. Uh, and the blanket. What do these appliances need sleep? Man, you gotta go with it, bro. It's a it's a cartoon. Uh, okay, come on, fine. Come fine, on, fine. work with me here. Uh, so the, I mean, if you have a problem with them sleeping, I mean, how about the part where they go into the water and like no one dies? <laughs> what about like? So I I was very confused as to why they needed a car battery hooked up to a chair to move because they all move all the time without electricity. I mean, I guess it's just one of the tasks that they have to overcome, uh, you know, to, to learn. I don't know. Like, like it would have been, it would have been fine if like they didn't show us all the time that they can move just fine without. Power. Well, I think all right. This is how you can sort of justify it. It's like they can unplug themselves and move around for a bit, but eventually they have to plug back in. No, because that never happens. <laughs> But, but it's off camera. Okay, so you're, you're, that's a pretty big <laughs> assumption you're making, Stephen. I mean, you know, you just have to, you know, cast your own. Like Steve, literally, when the um, which is the next scene that's coming up when they like run out, the the battery is dead, so they're mm-hmm. trying to recharge it with like lightning or whatever. They're all jumping around, like trying to get blankets, so they're moving without this, like while they're like, oh, we got our, it's dead. I, I don't know. I know, I know it's it's a kid's movie and whatever, right. but the I thing mean, is, I, like, they're hey, so blatantly okay. not following We're that rule that they've set up. Right. We're here to pick apart all this stuff, so it's perfectly fine. I'm just trying to... I, I think any child that's, like, at least eight years old would have been like, hey, that doesn't make sense. I never cared. I never cared. Well, you said you were six. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I watched it when I was eight also. I mean, I watched this, I watched this up until I was 37. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, but I ate. No, that's you not had true. A, anyways, whatever. I mean, when we were in the band together, I probably was not watching it. But uh, but yeah, I mean, probably, probably. Like this the, man uh, can't even confirm for sure he wasn't watching it. That's to... how pro the my brave little toaster, or the brave little toaster you are, Steven. Maybe just the vacuum needs it. I don't know. Like it's but, just but the a... vacuum moves without it all the time too. I mean, the transformer, it's their energon cube. <laughs> just like the vacuum is unplugged when he tries to kill himself right i mean on imdb 
they say that the the plugs are kind of a goof that sometimes they're there sometimes they're not uh sometimes they extend i don't know i think you're gonna have to suspend your disbelief with this one i, I assume the plug I, I can go with the plugs are retractable mm-hmm. i can go with right, that, that was the thing that mm-hmm. all right anyway let, let's as move far on. as like, the power know. source is concerned you're just you can't look through it i i listen i think you and i have had a longer discussion about this than the writers. <laughs> all did. right, so you're probably right. On. Okay, so, all right, so they're all sort of getting their own little space. And at this point, like, at least in the, if you want to look at the the toaster crew as like a family, their family dynamic is uh, they all kind of annoy each other. They've just sort of been stuck together in that house for so long. And they all kind of, eh, I mean, that not hate, hate, but they're all highly annoyed by one another. So they're all getting their own little space. And this is important, I would say, for their arc. Um, they're all getting their own space. And they're like, you know, you don't bother me. You don't bother. But the blanket, he's always used to, or he's used to snuggling with someone, at least the master. So he's trying to go cozy up to all the different appliances. And they basically everyone, including the brave little toaster, tells him to take a hike. And, so basically uh, the blanket is a, is a horny little blanket. <laughs> later right it doesn't care who who it, it gets in bed with right doesn't care their wow. their appliance type you are the uh, it's a pansexual uh <laughs> blanket well we never know if it's a man or a woman so it, it goes it's, it's always. a it, it's a non-binary pansexual yeah. blanket uh there you go. diversity very inclusive. back in 1987 yeah. I, I, yeah. you know if you think about it it kind of is though right yeah yeah sure. <laughs> it's kind um, of funny so uh, we're, it's the next day. We're outside in a wooded area. It's again. Steve, it's... this blanket. Oh. What is? What does he still have? This blanket. The 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 master. Well, I thought he's an adult that masturbates. What's he? <laughs> well, no, the, he left there when he was a little boy and never went back. Okay, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. pre-puberty. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Okay. Are you trying to? To, uh, sometimes the blanket looks a little stiff. Sometimes the blanket, the blanket just looks a is stiff. a cum rag. That's what you're saying. Oh whoa, 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 whoa. Steve, what I was saying. just. I'm just trying to establish the timeline, the sequence of events. Oh, Steve. man. I'm definitely going to have to hit the explicit button for this one. Jesus. <laughs> I, right. I didn't say C you were, rag. You did. You All I did was say that. I was just asking questions, Steve. Oh, I'm, ju- I'm just here to get to the bottom of the truth. So I, the, the cold, <laughs> hard truth. So this and our Mother's Day tick episode are gonna get. Uh, they're gonna be 18 year olds or up. Or mature audience videos on YouTube, apparently. But whatever. So, <laughs> Jesus. All right. So they're in this like prickly, again deadwood looking foresty area. The blanket hears some animal noises, then they find blankets this... used to being in prickly situations, from what I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm dealing with a real prick right now. <laughs> uh, but uh, so yeah, they find this beautiful pond, this sort of lush um, opening or whatever, and um, like there's wacky frogs and <laughs> beavers, all the animals. Uh, <laughs> chase after a worm it's a fun little segment though at first it is didn't, it i didn't hold on we're gonna get there though i didn't really see the point until i was thinking to myself i'm like do you feel like maybe they're parroting uh like disney movies with this like sort of scene i i think you're reading too much into it i think they were trying to hit the 
No, seriously, see, because I, I feel like there's a little bit of filler in this movie. Um, I feel like there's about an hour's worth of story. It um, does and move fast, filler. and the um, the musical numbers help sort of pad the story. I'll admit that. but Right. I, I think if you take out the musical numbers and a couple of the filler scenes like this one, I think you get down to about an hour. But uh, all right, I'm going to I'm going to fight you on this one. There is a, a reason here. Um, all right. Aside from possibly parodying uh, Disney stuff, because remember, Hyperion was all made of like former Disney employees. Um, right. There's also a character moment here for the brave little toaster where um, uh, some like uh, some squirrels are like uh, sort of they're looking at their reflection in his, um, you know, silver uh, epidermis or exterior, whatever you want to call it. And uh, he's like telling them to like uh, buzz off. And um, he ends up running away from them in sort of like this shaded kind of a darker area. And there's a, uh, a lone flower there who sees its reflection and thinks it's another flower and starts trying to, um, to hug the toaster. And uh, he's like, buzz off, like this isn't another flower. And he like runs away from it. And then he looks back and sees that uh, the flower, I guess, has started to wilt because it's alone. And so basically this gives the, the brave little toaster like the motivation to be like, hey, you know, maybe I should um, sort of, uh, you know, give a little bit more care to my uh, yeah, to my to family member. Yeah, to not only the blanket, but like all of them. But he starts with the blanket because that's the one who's most in need of other, of, you know, contact. Oh, it's the one that's most in use <laughs> to being in contact <laughs> with uh, warmth, <laughs> uh, whether the warmth be solid, whether it be liquid. <laughs> I wonder if it's possible to get kicked off of TikTok. You know what? I'm going to find out. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it also, I would say that scene with the flower teaches kids that incorrectly that if a flower is alone, it'll wilt and die at a loneliness. <laughs> Not true. I, I'll have to check my science book, but uh, I'll take your word. Rather, I mean, it probably just needed some water, but the toaster is just like, oh, it must be me. How vain of the brave little toaster to think. Oh, it's because I didn't acknowledge the flower that it died. I mean, no, it wasn't. But it, that wasn't the lesson. It was because the flower was alone. That's where it, why, or it ended up dying alone, basically. Basically, that flower died alone, and so the toaster was like, "Oh, geez, uh, maybe I should be a, a little bit nicer to my. Uh, otherwise, you know, maybe they'll leave me, and I'll end up dying alone." Yeah, no, no, I, I get it. I mean, I'm being, I'm being picky, but mm. yeah, you're. Alrighty, uh, so. Let's see, they were all annoyed at first with each other. Oh yeah, that's my, I already said that stuff. So Kirby says his battery is running low. Uh, they're back on the road again. Um, or he says his battery is running low and they need to recharge. Again, they're still in a very dark wooded area. Um, uh, they're trying, it's nighttime and they're trying to settle down again. Um, there's sort of a funny sight gag where the lamp, he's like, uh, hey, maybe we can stay over here and he, illuminates the inside of this tree and it's like this really creepy looking monstrous looking tree and they're all like like oh. one of the mortal Kombat, mortal Kombat <laughs> 2 the trees in the background that have like the faces no i mean what a that's reference. pretty accurate that's right? a good reference yeah. i like that yeah. uh i'm not making fun of it like i thought the tree was cool yeah <laughs> i just like the reference that's all so they say they need shelter and um 
And in the end, they, they look over and see that the blanket has made himself into a tent. And this is the first of... Stiff, uh, stiff hmm? tent. It's <laughs> yeah. a pop tent, yeah, if you will. Um, well, I wonder how the blanket was able to remain so stiff. I wonder if the master had provided some lubrication to help with the stiff... I don't know. I don't know, Steve. Oh, my God. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, this is... The... Maybe, like, to, to quote the excuse you used earlier, maybe it happened off camera. There, Maybe it did. Maybe it did. Away from his mother's prying eyes. <laughs> You know, you had a very sad childhood, didn't you? Uh, but uh, or uh... because my mother didn't watch anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, we have Detroit Retro Gamer here. Uh, said such a terrifying movie. Yeah, we're just talking about how the master possibly used the, his childhood blanket for other means as he aged later. A rag of types, and this is Yehel's. Um, that's his hypothesis not mine um just so i'm just everyone's... posing some questions man i'm just <laughs> asking some questions if you don't like the truth then that's your fault yeah. uh so yeah all right so they're inside uh, they're inside the blanket who's a tent who's a tent at this point oh and this is right. as i was trying to say this is one of the many uh sort of self-sacrifices that a lot of the appliances make and like it's a good little lesson it shows you know sometimes you have to Take one for the team, if you will, like for your friends and for your family. Uh, and all, almost everybody blanket does. knows all about that. Who does? The blanket knows oh, all oh. about taking one for the team. Jesus. All right. Uh, so... Sometimes several in a day. Just depends on that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We got to get past this thing here. All right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. they're all like sort of settling down. And the lamp like notices that uh, the toaster has started being really nice. The blanket. And he's asking him why. He tells him it's like, uh, you know, it's like a good feeling that uh, he has. And the lamp, like, doesn't really understand. So uh, he, describe, he describes it as a glow. And then the lamp starts to get, in, uh, to get the idea. He says, like, when he's thinking about the master. And he describes this uh, story about how the first time his bulb burnt out, he thought he was going to get thrown away. But then the master just puts a new bulb in there and... He gets uh, you know, to continue helping out the master. And, you know, this shows that, uh, number one, that the master is, you know, one of those uh, guys who's good at fixing stuff. And it also shows that the appliances are deathly afraid of becoming useless and being thrown away, which is right. a constant theme, like, throughout the film. And, uh, and then um, we get another fever dream if you will it's just a regular dream here i'd say uh and uh, the the master makes a face in the toaster and the toast pops up he uh he's basically making himself a pbj and then out of nowhere like this black like evil looking smoke shows up and then he grabs the master and he's starting to pull him away and uh, you know they're like calling for each other um and uh i guess this shows the um, the toasters you know, fear of just or I guess all their fear of losing the master I guess forever and then out of nowhere an evil clown with a water hose shows up and uh, he tells the toaster to run and um, and so the toaster then does run the clown shoots the water and the water turns into forks which is just mm -hmm. it's a salvador dali level of like surreal it is it is and uh i mean as an adult at this point i mean i love it 
Uh, at the time as a kid, I'm just like, man, that's weird. I don't, didn't really understand it at the time. And then it immediately transitions to the toaster uh, dangling over a tub of water, like almost like falling. And again, this is to show that they're deathly afraid of water. Um, and uh, yeah, what did you think of this whole sequence? I mean, I appreciate the creativity for sure. Uh, very well animated, mm -hmm. uh, like everything else is on here. And, uh, you know, there's definitely one of those scenes that probably like pushes the envelope a little bit because obviously like I think most people would, if you see a tub and there's a toaster dangling over, you think about somebody trying to kill themselves, you know, <laughs> like, what? Isn't that like, no, that's a, a yeah, thing. Yeah, no, that is definitely a thing. It was just, again, the plugged in toaster, you, I, let, you put it in. I never thought of, like never, like yeah. not even until now. Um, well, but, I mean, that is, I, I don't know if that actually works, but uh, that's like a, a trope, right? That like, you can kill yourself. Stay tuned for next week where we try to find out if the old uh, toaster in the tub uh, suicide uh, trick works yeah. or not. Yeah, R Reptilian Media, how it works uh, episode next week. Um, right. So, uh, but uh, anyways, by the way, Steve, I did, you know, Detroit Retro Gamer had commented um, that this is such a terrifying movie, which, by the way, the people I text, they were traumatized by several scenes. Mm -hmm. uh, again, for those that are just joining, I have never seen it. I had never seen it before today, but I asked uh, Detroit Retro Gamer, like, what uh, they thought was the most terrifying scene. Mm -hmm. So they wrote, uh, to be honest, I can't remember anything specific beyond the feeling of suspended anxiety Perhaps the final car crush junkyard scene oh, yeah. uh, is that even a thing? LOL, got to revisit. Yes, it is. And uh, I'll repost again, Detroit Gamer, in the chat, a link where you can watch the film in pretty good quality right here on YouTube free of charge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is an awesome uh, transition, though, that where they go from the, um, the nightmare to toaster waking up and there's a horrible storm outside and it ends up uh, blowing a uh, blankie away into the night uh and then they're all while they're busy searching for a uh, blanket they just sort of keep calling his name over and over again and the lamp uh realizes that uh, he needs to charge the battery and i guess the idea here is that uh, you know his discussion with the toaster sort of you know made him you know realize that he too needs to take one for the team and so uh like at first he's trying to like use his bulb to help search for blanket and then he's running out of juice as well um he's trying to charge himself in the battery so then he gets the idea he points uh himself basically to to the sky and ends up getting uh, struck by lightning and it charges the car battery and this is 100 percent accurate science i know you're gonna say it's not <laughs> But no, no, it's cartoon science. I, 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 I wager science says it's not. <laughs> no, but with my feelings, it means that it is. Uh, but oh, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, so he gets struck by lightning. And I mean, again, that's like that's a very uh, memorable scene to me. I remember when that happened. I was like, is the lamp going to be OK? Uh, but um Luckily, uh, we transition to daytime. They're still searching for Blanky. Uh, Lamp is okay, but now he's all like busted up and his uh, bulb is busted. And um, but uh, but he's good. And uh, they end up finding the blanket in a tree. Kirby uses his cord like is basically a lasso, and then he then sucks up the cord so he can get up there and get him. And they all praise him, but Kirby says he just did it so they could be on their way and uh 
I mean, I'm no. I mean, duh. Yeah, I mean, I'm no psychiatrist, <laughs> but he's uh, the Cur- Kirby. The vacuum is just one of those guys that uh, I guess keeps all of his uh, feelings on the inside and never, you know, never show a, a real cold cat, if See, you will. Every one of these appliances needs therapy. <laughs> Even the ones that appear happy. Well, Listen. I mean, that's the thing that I, I feel is like great about this movie is that it really, like, these appliances have a lot of depth, uh, especially compared to like kids' movies nowadays, where everything is just sort of wacky and over the top, and you never get any surreal nightmare fuel anymore, like you did back you know, in the '80s and '90s. I'm sure there's some. I've, uh, I've been watching them, man. There. Believe me. I mean, and I'm not saying everything sucks. It's just uh, like I watched. You're just an old man, bro. You just don't get it, dude. <laughs> no, I'm going to tell you. I watched uh, The Bad Guys, which was a movie that came out last year. It's a CGI. I think um, it's not a Disney. It's like something Dreamworks, else. Dreamworks, maybe? Yeah, one of those. And They yeah, do a lot of. Uh... Yeah, I mean, and, you know, it, it's fine. And there's a. And it just doesn't. Com- the character development and depth of that movie just doesn't compare uh, to the brave little toaster. But so one thing I saw in the comments of the YouTube link for the little toaster mm-hmm. was that a lot of people were saying like, Oh, uh, they don't make movies like this anymore with mm-hmm. this depth and blah, blah, blah kids movies. Bubba? Motherfucker. They weren't making movies like this back then either. Like this is an anomaly even for that time. That's, that's like, a good point. I mean this, yeah, I, I feel, and I'm sure a lot of people do feel that this movie is definitely, um, sort of like lightning in a bottle. I mean, you could say that uh, the a lot of the Pixar movies, well, pre, I guess, John Lasseter getting uh, ousted, have a lot have a lot of the emotional depth that uh, the yeah. Brave Little Toaster does, like Toy Story <laughs> included. Yeah. But I would argue, Steve, that, you know, and again, as you know, I'm no fan of children. Uh, they <laughs> You're, a all You're a cat guy. You're a cat guy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have a, I'm a vasectomy man. You know, I have a vasectomy. Uh, no kids, not gonna have them. I'm the one Puerto Rican in Florida that's not gonna have a child. But um, anyways, I can say that because I'm Puerto Rican. Everybody, it's fine. But uh, oh, by the way, Retro Gaver had written in response, uh, revisit it because I had told him uh, or her, uh, you can revisit your trauma at that link in reference to the movie. And you wrote, uh, revisiting trauma, a favorite pastime. Thanks, Disney. Hey, thanks for being an adult. And don't forget to <laughs> thanks Obscurity Now. <laughs> yeah. We're here to but, make uh, you relive all your childhood trauma. Absolutely, absolutely. We want no one to be happier than right. us. That's what's important as an adult to push everybody down. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I do think that movies like this, uh, kids' movies like this, where there's, you know, these characters that have these, especially like so many characters who have like complex like issues mm-hmm. and a lot of like their own like trauma and things that they're dealing with. That should be the anomaly. I don't think like most kids' movies should be so traumatic because everyone's like, "This movie traumatized me. It made me cry." Right. Well, a lot of people say that about like Watership Down. I don't know if you've ever seen that one, and that is way less joyless than um, than this. I mean, I just I feel like maybe more movies in general, you know, animated or otherwise, they should all have character depth and arcs, and uh, you know, they don't all right. have to have like surreal dream sequences that reveal right. the character's inner to- turmoil but uh sure yeah just you know a little more I- i'm not saying and i'm not saying steve don't have arcs uh good story arcs right. or character arcs right. uh, or have characters that are like uh you know that have depth in these kids mm-hmm. movies i'm saying they shouldn't all be so traumatic sure as this movie apparently is for because dude 
everybody I've talked to about this has said at least one or two scenes. Oh, that traumatized me. That traumatized right. me. Right. Well, imagine if every kids' movie or, or most kids' movies were traumatic to children. Right. Well, I mean, he, in corporate <laughs> Hollywood, twenty twenty two, yeah, they don't want to even have the even idea that anything is anywhere near traumatizing. It's just. You know, we're just going to have laughs and sell as many toys as possible. So, yeah, you're right. But I would this argue, is... Steve, the real world is traumatizing enough right now. It's where... true. I mean, but hey, even in the 80s, you know, they uh, there was the nuclear threat and whatnot. But no, you're and there's nothing wrong with pure escapist entertainment uh, where there's no tra tra yeah. trauma. trauma like, but ultimately, for me. I don't care. Traumatize the kids. Don't traumatize them. I don't care. Just keep them out of my way. Right, right. So, uh... I'm a vasectomy man. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jesus. That's gonna be a t-shirt. Um, so, uh, so yeah, Kirby, um, they're all praising Kirby, and Kirby fires back and rags on them all and, and tells them to leave him alone. And then, at this point, they're next to this, um... Um... They, they, they come upon this waterfall... And yeah, Kirby himself freaks out. I guess the idea is that he's never seen a waterfall before and he ends up s sucking his own cord. Oh God, that sounds terrible. Um, but uh, I, I mean, yeah. I didn't get the idea that it was suicide, maybe more of an accident because he was freaking out. I mean, if it was suicide, wow, that's really messed up. <laughs> but hey, this is a movie so traumatized I think it's definitely a generation. On purpose. I think it is on purpose because like, I went back and I rewatched it mm -hmm. uh, just to like see, like make sure I wasn't like imagining. But he like pauses and then like goes like, and like purposely bites his wow. like cord. Wow! I mean, this so, is a, yeah, this is intense stuff uh, yeah. here. Now you could argue, like you said, you could argue it either way. Maybe it's not him trying to kill himself. Mm -hmm. I, I think I suspect that they left it somewhat ambiguous, like on purpose, where it's sure. kind of like, well, we can't just be like, yeah, this took this vacuum's trying to kill himself right, but right. for those that can see what we're trying to say they'll see that and for those that don't that's fine too because you can still see that the point is he's stressed out about the waterfall sure yeah absolutely so they revive him and they uh and this is all like good because they sort of brought kirby down to his low point because he's about to get his chance to sacrifice himself for the the crew like they revive him and they all uh then they're like how are we gonna uh, oh, well, all right, I shouldn't uh, skip over this. Basically, they revive him, and they're like, yay, we were really worried about you. And he's all, like, shove off, like, I don't care, you guys suck. Basically, and... he's mad that they didn't let him kill himself. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and, and kind of embarrassed about it, which, yes, eh, that's the thing that happens. For sure. Um, and uh, then he's like, well, how are we going to get across this waterfall? And so cut to, they have all tied their cords together. Um, he, uh, swings like the little toasters on the very end, they swing themselves over the brave little toaster, uh, makes it, but then he himself gets freaked out by the waterfall and all of the appliances, except Kirby, they all fall into the water. Um, and so then there's a great sort of, um, I don't know, moment where you're not exactly sure what's going to happen. And I guess the idea is that Kirby is uh, contemplating like what he's going to do. And then zoom, he shoots himself over the edge. He inflates his bag and floats uh, in the rapids. And basically he catches everybody. Uh, they all uh, sort of end up on his back and use him as a makeshift boat, which uh, you really need to suspend your disbelief here because 
course, the water would have killed them all. Um, eh, I mean, I, I feel like that's like one of the least egregious uh, logic poles here. <laughs> I mean, but, I was uh, just saying I, that for your benefit, buddy. I, it's okay. Uh, so I did want to point out another comment here from Detroit Retro Gamer. He, uh, they said that they just Googled Brave Little Toaster Marxist. And like, I guess it's probably got some Marxist slash communist undertones, a bunch of emojis, followed by sacrifice and serve the master, which I said earlier, like, that's so weird that they use master uh, as how they refer to uh, the kid that's going to college. Um, and supposedly some characters quote Karl Marx. And I was wondering that, too, if there was like some like not to get political, we're not going to get into it. But like if there was like some kind of socialist message that they were trying to send here. Um, but also Seabass, uh, said that he, he was, didn't catch that moment. I think about the, uh, Kirby killing himself possibly, mm -hmm. but he mentioned that he ended up reading the book and earlier we were like, who even read the novella? Yeah. Well, oh, wow. we've got one here. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, we might have to do an interview with you, Seabass. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so yeah, they basically, they get back on dry land and, um, uh, of course, like Kirby, he downplays his sacrifice. He just says that he, I just slipped and fell in. And they are like, oh, you big softy, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they arrive on dry land, and Toaster feels bad for letting everyone down. Um, again, there's a cool moment here where um, he sees his reflection in the water, and he just bats it away because he's so filled with angst, and or he's just disappointed in himself for letting everyone fall in the water. Uh, so, uh, they lost their battery, um, so now the crew has to pull Kirby. So, again, this is, uh, and again, we've already talked about it too much, it's almost evidence that Kirby was the only one who needed the battery, but then why was the lamp plugging himself in, uh, eh, whatever. <laughs> so now the, the, the little appliances are pulling Kirby, he hits a rock and falls into quicksand, and this is one of those things where, remember in the 80s when everyone got stuck in quicksand at one point? And just as a kid, you're yeah, just Yeah, what like, happened to quicksand? Did we just get rid of all the quicksand on yeah, Earth? Like, like, no one ever has that issue in movies I and mean, cartoons. I lived and worked in Dubai for a year, and I never. it's filled with sand. And I never got anywhere near any quicksand. Um, yeah, yeah. Funny how that works, right? <laughs> what a weird, like, trope. And no one ever even uses yeah. it anymore, probably for the best. Uh, so yeah, um, they all have their cords attached to him. So when he falls in, all the other um, appliances fall in. The last one left is the radio. And um, I mean, basically everything that comes out of the radio is pretty hilarious. He's like playing a song and it's like um, this guy saying, oh, honey, I'm coming. I'm coming for you or something. And uh, he sings all the way down. The only thing left is his antenna. And then a man grabs it. And I like how they at least, um, it, it's not complete coincidence. He, coincidence. He's just like, oh, I thought I heard a radio. And then um, he realizes that all the other appliances are uh, attached to him. Cut to the man gets into his monster truck, which I always thought that truck was the best <laughs> when I was like an eight-year-old. That truck today would be covered because it's it's like a super raised, like a like a mini Bigfoot truck. You know, if you live in Florida like I do, you've seen them. You know, people raise their trucks. It would be covered, littered in misunderstood Punisher stickers. Oh, I thought you were uh, going to say the Confederate flag. 
Well, that too. I mean, you know, you'd you'd have a uh, you know a certain political figure is getting peed on by Calvin, and Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> you'd have a Punisher saying, sticker. Thank you for saying misunderstood Punisher stickers because I'm a huge yeah. Punisher fan, and uh, yeah, know, and those guys don't read comics. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, um, but Punisher doesn't like cops, guys. He doesn't like cops. <laughs> Uh, but, um, but yeah, but it's funny because the guy driving the truck is just like the, just like the a typical star Wars nerd, <laughs> like just this fat sort of doughy guy, um, who's just always talking to his dog. Um, and he, apparently he is a, uh, hardware store owner. He brings the toaster crew in, um, and, uh, puts them on his workbench. Then he goes up and there is a dude there asking for uh, blender parts. Um, and, uh, but before the guy comes back, there's like a work lamp who once again is voiced by Phil Hartman doing his best, uh, Peter Lorre impression. Um, who's the, he's the guy from Casablanca. If you've never seen Casablanca, you should check it out. Um, but, uh, and they're like, uh, boy, uh, that, um, the hardware store owner is a really swell guy. And he's just like, oh, yeah, he's real nice. Like, very sarcastically. <laughs> I love the amount. I can't believe, like, you don't love the amount of sarcasm that's in this cartoon. It's like you never got that back in the 80s. Okay. I mean, sure. I <laughs> See, you're I, being you know, sarcastic I, right now, you son of a I, bitch. I, 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 don't, I don't want to get too much into it because I don't want to. Uh... All right. All right. You're right. I, I, feel, okay. I feel like I would have to like get into my verdict. So, sure, sure. Uh, you know, I, I, I get it. I get what you're saying. <laughs> but um, all right. So, yeah, once again, the uh, customer asks for um, a blender motor. And so the um, clerk or hardware store clerk, whatever you want to call him, he comes back. And uh, then uh, we're treated to what could be um, perceived as a very <laughs> nightmare. Once again, another nightmare fuel moment where the hardware store clerk takes apart a sentient blender and removes his uh, motor and packs murders him, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And um, this uh, scene. Now, I love the way this scene is shot because, like, they make it look like. So when he goes to um, use the screw, you see, like, a shadow of him going like this and it looks like he's stabbing him yeah, but you know really yeah. he's just bringing down the screwdriver so i thought th this is honestly maybe it's a bit morbid but i thought it was like it's one of my favorite scenes no, in it's this great. Where, like it's uh, like yeah. did a great job of making it seem like he's killing him for the adults while also not making it look like he's killing him for the kids right right right, right. um while still getting across like hey this thing that was alive now isn't and uh when he's done uh taking the motor out there's another shot, a shadow shot where you see a shadow of something dripping, which obviously it's oil, sure, right? You sure. would assume, but it also looks like blood is dripping mm -hmm. kind of a thing. So uh, really, really cool, really creative way to uh, uh, fuck the kids' yeah. minds. <laughs> Good thing you said minds. Um, yeah, yeah. I was so, like, ooh, going to get taken out of context. So, ah. of course, the, all right, so the clerk leaves. The toaster crew is stunned. And then they, uh, the lamp asks the work lamp, um, how can they escape? And the lamp and all the other appliances laugh. And then we begin song number two here, known as uh, It's a B-Movie. And all these are by, all these songs are by Van Dyke Parks, uh, which is a really weird name. Um, but um, I love this song. I always thought it had an awesome sort of slap bass line in it. And um, uh, I know you already said uh, you liked it. Uh, do you have any other, uh, anything else to unpack? Whoa, whoa. Liked it. Is I, I, I definitely liked it the most. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe disliked it the least. Uh, I appreciate the subject matter and that uh, 
it was definitely not it was definitely unexpected mm-hmm. um still didn't like that it was just like some song in this that i felt was like keeping the plot from moving forward and it i still like felt like it was a bit of filler but not a, not, not a fun song otherwise though. fun song I, would say. I just like it i feel like it um you know it's just saying that the outside world is a horrible place <laughs> or especially uh, you know the place where they all ended up and i like um uh, where the the mishmash shows up and it sounds like Joan Rivers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I just thought that. Yeah, was... I thought it was Joan Rivers. Yeah. It was a very good impression. Um, so the song ends, and then we hear that same customer who's like, "Well, I also need to get some radio tubes," and then uh, the radio then pleads to to be hidden by the toaster crew, and uh, this scene is almost uh, echoed verbatim in uh, Toy Story where they sort of break their rules of, um, you know, revealing themselves to, to humans. And um, they uh, basically, the brave little toaster gets on top of the vacuum, then the blanket gets on him, and the lamp shines on him. And uh, they use their voices basically to scare the, um, the hardware store owner into knocking himself out. He sees his reflection in the toaster, he screams, and then- yeah, That didn't make any sense to me. Uh, I mean, what didn't make sense about it? Like, he's scared of his own reflection? Well, I, I mean, what about... I mean, there's not supposed to be anybody moving or making noise in his uh, hardware store. Yeah, know. but, like, if you see... He works in a hardware store. He's never seen his reflection on an no, appliance, a chrome appliance. Everything's moving, and they're making noises with their voices that aren't supposed to be there. I guess. I, I guess maybe I'm just... Uh... <laughs> Like what if you heard uh, what if you heard your precious CDI start talking? How how would that affect you? Probably oh, go man, and fuck I would, it, wouldn't you? Yeah, I was just gonna say I'd probably be very aroused. <laughs> You're like finally, I know what this expansion port is for. <laughs> <laughs> oh CDI, finally we could be together. Oh man. Yeah. Okay, so God, Larry, let's move here. Um. Yeah, let's, please, let's okay, move on. Okay, so basically, um, they use this time to uh, escape. Um, they now use, they were originally put in a baby carriage, so now that is their transport. Um, uh, for some reason, they felt a need to include a scene of the, the, the hardware store owner's dog getting into the Bigfoot and driving away. So apparently in this world, dogs have the ability to drive trucks. <laughs> I don't know why that cracks me up, but right. it does. Um, okay, so now they've reached the city. They're at, at the precipice looking upon these quote-unquote city of lights. They're in their baby carriage. They're, um, they get there. They're looking at all the huge buildings, and they're like, how are we going to find the master? Um, and uh, so now we see the ma- we're in the master's apartment. Uh, we see that he's grown, and he's packing for college. <laughs> And he says he's going out to the cabin to pick up the old lamp packing what? and the radio. Huh? Pack. Oh, oh, like packing things. Yeah. yeah he's... I thought you meant like he's packing. <laughs> I mean, Downstairs in, in that for... city, I mean, he probably should. I mean, he's almost killed by a magnet later on. Um, okay, I was talking about his genitals, Steve, <laughs> uh, as he's, he's packing. This is the most. Going back to the blanket talk. And... <laughs> <laughs> this is the most erotic episode we've ever done. Um, hey, you started talking about orgies right from the bat, so uh, don't. Sure, I'm the. It takes two to tango, and uh, I guess more for an orgy. I don't know. I don't know. 
later we're gonna see should we just delete this episode we're gonna see you with <laughs> pictures of you and your cdi on twitter uh so he says very ironically he's going out to the cabin to get the other appliances his attractive girlfriend comes and picks him up and they go out to the cabin uh so back with the crew they use their uh, uh they use a phone book in a phone uh, a pay phone oh dated <laughs> and uh yeah. and they find them the master's address then they ask a traffic signal where to go and i thought the bit with the traffic signal was uh kind of cute whatever uh they knock on the door and um, the radio uses the secret appliance knock to let them know that their appliances and that the appliances inside should let them in. And uh, that's what happens. And I forgot to mention, back when the master said he was going to, to the cabin, the other appliances heard him and they're like, hey, did you hear that? We're about to be replaced by old junk. So they show up at the door and uh the appliances are like hey look it's them the aforementioned old appliances it's like let's let them in and give them the business and so they do and the radio is telling them this um uh what <laughs> this very um bloated um sort of over the top version of their mm -hmm. journey and uh like the lamp is more impressed than anyone else and right. um so then you start to see like uh, that the other appliances are very uh, the the new ones that are in the apartment are very disingenuous. A sewing machine starts talking trash about the blanket, and then when he comes by just to say hello, they say hello back. You know, typical city folk stuff. Uh, you have very Hollywood, if you will. Um, mm, indeed. The uh, the crew sees a grown picture of the master, and they all go, "Wow, look at he's they he has grown." And then they see. Um, the TV, who used to be at the cabin that I guess, uh, you know, they um, they brought him uh, with them when they moved, which makes sense back then because TVs used to last a long time and they were so expensive that, uh, you know, you used them until they died, basically. I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, totally true. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, not much else to add. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. So... Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so they basically talk and um, right as the wait, no, that scene. Oh, yeah. Right as the TV is telling them that the master left to go get him that uh, one of the other appliances, the sneaky purple lamp, he changes the channel so uh, they can't tell him and uh, cut to the master arrives at the cabin. He's surprised by the mess. And now we go back to the apartment and we are treated to song number three cutting edge mostly performed by the new appliances which are all new appliances in 1987 yeah, this must be like, yeah. and they're all dated now hilariously not cutting edge anymore yeah hilarious yeah. and basically it's their song to brag to the toaster crew about how high tech and cool they are and how obsolete they are what did you think about this song didn't like it uh that was lame <laughs> Uh, I thought even the attempts at like making some of the vocals sound like digital or electronic was like pretty shitty, uh, even for the time. I, I just was not into it. Uh, by the way, something I didn't mention, did you know that there actually was a Kirby vacuum cleaner, like a company yes. called Kirby that made, yeah. I knew that. And I thought, and I remember that there was one and I assumed because TDK, the electronics company sponsored uh, or helped pay for like some of this movie. And mm -hmm. there's some TDK product placement here and there uh, in the movie. Um, I thought like maybe they were the ones that made it, but they did not. Mm -hmm. 
However, it seems like they might have made some components used in Kirby. Oh, interesting. Years, yeah. So. yeah, that's uh, hmm. cool. So, uh, all right, I love the song. Again, it's got another great bass line. And this is, uh, you know, as I've said many times before on this podcast, I'm a huge fan of uh, 80s new wave, especially early uh, synthesizers and electronic music. So this one uh, was uh, right up my alley. I loved it. I knew you'd like it. I loved it then, and I uh, still like it now. Uh, so anyway, moving on, um, we're back with the master. Um, in the cabin he's looking for the appliances and as he calls out their names he's like where's the blanket where's the radio where's uh, the lamp and as he says that yeah funny if he, he wanted he wanted that blanket <laughs> wow you just will not Why? let this go will you <laughs> what what just say just say um as he says their their names they are kicked out of the um, apartment into a dump truck and um, until basically they're all kicked out. Uh, the master then comes by and fixes uh, the air conditioner and he smiles and like tears up a bit. And I think that's like a good, uh, good callback. Um, and again, it really shows that the master, he cares, he's, uh, you know, he's gonna come, he's gonna fix everything and make it all better. And um, so yeah, now the toaster crew uh, they're feeling really down. They're like, oh, um, they feel like basically they're not needed. Um, they feel obsolete and they are taken and dumped into this um, junkyard. Uh, we see this uh, red magnet. He's going around. He's scooping up cars, uh, dropping them on a conveyor belt, and then they are dropped into a um, smasher. I don't even know. I don't know the proper term, but that's what I'm calling it. Um, like the thing that crushes yeah, uh, crusher. <laughs> metal things like down into like compacts. I think it's called a compactor. There you go. That's what it is. Um, now we are back with um, um, the master and he's at his apartment. He's, uh, you know, he just can't believe that his old junk is gone. And his mom is telling him to take stuff around here. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that to you, mom. If only there was like a, you know, a discount store nearby. And that's when the TV jumps into action. And it's weird how sort of the TV works. He works kind of the same way the radio does, as you can actually see a guy on the TV and he's saying what the TV is saying, the sentient TV is saying. And so he starts basically creating this commercial out of nowhere for the junkyard, which is called Ernie's Disposal. He saw the... Um, the name of the disposal place on the dump truck that right. they were thrown into. Um, so, um, yeah, and he's basically trying to convince the, the master to go there. And now we're back with the junkyard and we are treated to song number four, uh, worthless, which is basically these sentient cars singing about their life as they are then crushed to death into cubes. What do you think of this one? You hell. So before I get into that, Seabass uh, wrote that the TV goes ham with trying to advertise cheap deals of anything to save the other appliances. Yeah, well said. Uh, yeah. Uh, he also said then the compactor single goes on, which was a jam, which is what you're talking about, I think. Uh, I mean, I kind of tuned out at this point for this song. Like, I just, I, I Steve, I was so disappointed there was another song at this point. <laughs> Uh, I mean, so yeah, I wanted everybody to get crushed and killed. This song is uh, so good, but also just very, um, ah, it's like every car has their own sort of personality and you get, to, 
you get to meet them right before they die. And like, and what is going on here with the, the symbolism of the junkyard? Is it like the, mm. um, is this modern society saying that if you're not uh, well and able to do your job that you're just tossed to the side? What do you think about that? Right. Uh, yeah, let's get rid of the, uh, anybody who can't do anything for me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, I, I definitely do think that that's what they were trying to say. Uh, and, you know, I think it's a good lesson to try to teach to kids, right? Because they're trying to, like, show, like, the horrors of treating something or someone like that, right? Sure. Uh, as this, uh, the horrors of, like, treating people as though they're disposable mm-hmm. because of whatever reason. I think it's a great lesson. But they were, like, almost so, as an adult, it doesn't seem subtle, right? Like, we get it. Mm-hmm. But I think a kid wouldn't necessarily get that. Right. So... I feel like the execution could have been like better geared for kids to get that. Um, so that's my only complaint about it, really. All right. That's, uh, I'll take that. Fair point. Uh, so the song ends, um, and uh, the, finally the TV convinces the master to go to the junkyard. Uh, eventually the crew gets sucked up by the magnet. Um, the blanket drops his picture of the master, and uh, they see him as they're being sucked away um, by the magnet. And uh, then they all sort of spring to life uh, just as they're being uh, dropped on the conveyor belt. The master finds uh, his uh, picture and the crew jumps off the conveyor belt. Man, this magnet, he just does not give up. He is tenacious. Uh, they, uh, the master is coming near by them and they freeze. Um, and then the magnet gets them again. The crew then separates, um, which confuses the magnet. Uh, the master almost finds the crew once again, uh, and they think that he's coming back, but surprise, surprise, it's that creepy old magnet, and he puts them back on the conveyor belt. The master fi- Then the master finally sees them on the conveyor belt, first the blanket, then the radio, then the lamp, and then the magnet uh, comes after him. I mean, I guess he's, uh, the idea is that the magnet is going after the appliances which are on him, and he ends up sucking the master and the appliances up, and he right. gets dropped on the conveyor belt. Um, which, uh, I mean, yeah, it's the suspense here is just crazy. He's uh, on the conveyor belt, heading towards the compactor. He's about to get smashed, and in the ultimate self-sacrifice, the toaster climbs a huge tower of cars and jumps into the gears of the smasher, stopping it right before it smashes the master's hand. What did you think about that sequence? A lot of unpack here, but uh, you know, going back to what uh, Detroit Retro Gamer Gamer said earlier, didn't Marx have like a um, something that he wrote about like uh, stopping the gears, throwing yourself into the gears of like the machine, the capitalist machine, or something like that? Uh, so I I do wonder actually if that was supposed to be some kind of um, yeah, you know, metaphor. metaphor. For that. Yeah, I mean, since you've uh, put that idea in my mind, yeah, I'm, de- I'm definitely starting to see well, it. Well, credit goes to Detroit Retro Gamer. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm. You, you Detroit Retro Gamer, you, you're Obscurian of the week. That's the thing we need to start. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, uh, it, honestly, like this is like a really, I, I guess, fun isn't the right word, but it's really well done mm-hmm. little sequence. Um, by the way, I do want to point out, Seabass here had written that his favorite song was Cutting Edge. Um, nice. Uh, but Worthless was the second mm-hmm. best song and how like it's ironic that like, you know, all those appliances have now been replaced in the cutting edge song. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I it's a fun sequence. However, however, Stephen, I did have a, one problem with it. Okay. 
because at this point we had already seen the lamp when the lamp gets um, electrocuted by lightning. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, maybe he's going to die. No, we get a fake out there. <laughs> then the vacuum tries to kill himself. Nope, he's fine too. So at this point, I was like, well, they're certainly not going to actually kill the brave little toaster. If they, you know, so like, I think like that stuff happening earlier lost its punch. They should have let like the lamp actually die or somebody die to make you think, oh, maybe the little toaster is going to be dead. Yeah. But all right. I, it's still a good scene. It's still a good scene. And as a kid, I'm sure if I was a dumb little fucking six year old, <laughs> like you were, Steve, <laughs> I would have, uh, you know, been like, oh my gosh. Like, but the I. Killing off anyone, I think, goes against like the the theme because well, they killed the flower. They killed all those other cars. Those, yeah, but those guys were worthless. No, um, I mean, oh, okay. But for our main uh, protagonists, like the the main theme here is, you know, you have to again take one for the team. You know, self sacrifice for the group, which all varies. But nobody really, but nobody really commits a sacrifice in the end. But of they the group. did. Like the he. Kirby, they're all fine at the end. But I mean, you can sacrifice without killing yourself. You hell, you know. We we sacrifice mm -hmm. two hours of our Sunday to do this podcast. This does feel like a sacrifice. Oh, <laughs> this is my cross. You hear that? <laughs> hear that, audience? That's what your hell thinks about you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, and it is a kids movie or whatever. I, I, again, I'm just coming at it from an adult point of view. Either way, though, uh, to what you were saying, they do a great job of building suspense. Uh, throughout the scene and it is like satisfying uh to see like the toaster like make that like sacrifice right right uh even if you know he's gonna be fine I, like i said I, I just feel like it lost a little bit of its punch. i feel like okay are you happy i feel like you're about to start singing creed <laughs> my, my sacrifice, sacrifice. <laughs> all right <laughs> okay we're almost there ladies and gentlemen thanks for staying with us okay so um yes thank you cut to we are once again in the master's apartment and again he comes and uh, he fixes the toaster uh his girlfriend chris is like why don't you just get a new with a hammer by just banging the hey, the master the makes out of it. everything better see the thing is like i mean again i'm all right i've i've dabbled in uh marxism or at least his philosophy and it's like is there a philosophy where he says that someone's going to come along and fix everything and make it better? Like the master is going to come and fix everything. That doesn't sound like something that they would be for, but anyway, uh, I don't know, but I'm sure the master here, uh, is used to banging these appliances. More like so. master Bader. No, no. I mean, someone has to make that joke. I mean, my, I figured you would see, I see like <laughs> I, you're the one that's saying the words. You see, as a YouTube veteran, I don't say the word. I just make the implications. I'm like Dennis from uh, It's Always Sunny. I just, oh, it's the it's implication? The oh, all right. Good yeah. reference. Good reference. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he, he fixes the toaster. Everything's fine. Bangs it right with the hammer, with his right. hammer. Yeah, he bangs it real good. And uh, he throws, or he doesn't throw them. He places all the appliances in the back of his car. He and his girlfriend drive out to the sunset and Kirby calls them all a bunch of junk. They all have a good laugh. The end. <laughs> uh, yeah, what a what a ride. Yeah, what a thrill this ride. This podcast certainly has been. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's run the bumper and we'll deliver our verdict. That's the question. 
So, Steve, I, I think we should change it up. I, I think you should do your 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 verdict oh, first. Oh, I've got no problem. Okay, you do you want to deliver the line to me? Uh, I will try my best. I have been drinking some platinum Bud Light <laughs> seltzers, uh, so we'll see. Steven, uh, what do you think uh, about <laughs> the little toaster? Should it be uh, banished to the uh, bottomless pit of obscurity, never to be seen or heard from again? Or should it be remembered for all future generations? Oh, 100% uh, remembered. Uh, I mean... <laughs> Detroit Gamer wrote, to be honest, leave this movie in obscurity. <laughs> I'm surprised about that. What? Too much trauma. Too much for you there, Detroit? <laughs> Come on. You're from Detroit. Isn't that place... Didn't it used to be a hellscape? I mean... Man, therapy's expensive, man. Yeah, it's true. Well, hey... This movie may have led some to therapy. Don't... Don't go to therapy. Instead, just drink a six-pack and listen or watch Obscurity Now. We'll, 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 make, everything, Bud Light we'll make everything better, just like the master. Um, but, all right. So, I think this movie should be remembered. Uh, the songs are great. The animation is great. The, uh, the writing, the, the themes are uh, carried out to their, like, fullest potential. Uh, I mean, I even tried to think of something like negative to say about the movie, and like I really couldn't find it. Like, it uh, the the plot is pretty simple. It uh, it flies by, uh, as you said. I mean, the story there's not it doesn't have a you know huge complex plot or story. It just uh, you know it shows up. The amount of character depth is uh, huge compared to other like kids movies at the time, and even especially now. And uh, I mean, I think if you have kids or even if you don't, like, I feel you should you should definitely show them this movie or, you know, watch this at least once. Yeah. Like if you don't like your kids in particular and you want to traumatize them. I, well, I look forward to when Blade is old enough, at least six to show it to him and see what he thinks about it. Uh, so, yes, I definitely feel the Brave Little Toaster should be remembered um, for all of human history. What do you think there, brave little Yehel? Wow. Uh, well, Stephen, I will say I didn't particularly enjoy this movie, uh, as I think has been pretty obvious. I think it's too long. I think I think it would be better as an hour long, cut out the songs, cut out a couple of the filler scenes. However, the animation is great. Great cast. Um some interesting life lessons, I guess you could say, uh, maybe not executed. I, I think maybe it should have been a little bit more obvious, but it's 87. They probably have to be extra subtle. But I'm actually going to surprise you, I think, and say remember it. Wow. Because I think a child, if you watch it as a child, I think uh, you'll get something from it, probably trauma. But uh, maybe you'll gleam a lesson or two about how to treat people. Um, so overall, I will say at least it has substance, which a lot of... Uh, the cartoons from the 80s that we've watched, like the Alvin and the Chipmunks thing, like really doesn't. Right. <laughs> uh, and at least this wasn't racist, like the Alvin and the Chipmunks cartoon. It was so xenophobic. Uh, if anything, actually, yeah. this was pretty progressive. You know, you've got your pansexual uh, blanket that we talked <laughs> yes. about. And the master's um, girlfriend mm. is of color, actually. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say remember it. All right, here it comes. In accordance to Obscure to Now, the most important streaming YouTube podcast in all of the internet, you shall be remembered. Yes. Good show. Good, good show. Whew. 
So, Steve, before you talk, uh, Seabass said that I fucking love this movie. You got to be on something if you thought this movie sucked. Whatever you're on, I want two of it. <laughs> well, the only thing I've had tonight um, are two Bud Light Platinum Seltzers. Very not manly Platinum wow. Seltzers, yeah. Hey, they're 8%. But Seabass, uh, <laughs> like, like I said earlier, uh, and I don't know if you're around for it, but like, I had never watched it before today, so I don't have childhood nostalgia for it. Uh, so you got to like understand I'm coming at it from a 41 year old. Well, I mean, you, uh, in the end, you still liked it. So if you see if you're whoa. going to this con where your hell is, you don't have to beat him up. You don't have to. I'm giving you I'm saying you don't have to beat him up. You're giving me a reprieve. Yes, Thank you. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that's our show. Uh, one last announcement. Yeah, sorry, we ran long, guys. <laughs> sorry. No, you're welcome is what you mean to say. Um, once again, um, I've got uh, physical copies of my comic book, Escape to Earth, which uh, will be available to purchase online at some point uh, soon. Uh, just uh, make sure you stay tuned to this channel and or Twitter and all that other great stuff. And follow us on TikTok, and we will see you next. Follow us on TikTok at Reptilian Media, yes, for God's sakes. Yeah. For whatever reason, the podcast is like getting bigger there. Uh, by the way, Detroit Retro Gamer said, thanks to y'all, I'll remember a nightmare. Well, yeah, I mean, if you follow us on TikTok, you'll get to see our hilarious commentary with actual, like, clips from the Brave Little Toaster and or whatever else we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time. Uh, yes. Steve has been doing an awesome job of putting together uh, clips, thanks, and he buddy. throws in, like, actual, uh, you know, obviously us talking, but then he can actually show footage of whatever, you know, piece of media we were talking yeah, so about. so screw you, YouTube. Tricky. By the way, YouTube, can yeah. I make some money, please? All right. Yeah. <laughs> we're, Zillenni- we're big with the Zillennials now. Yeah. I don't know what we are anymore. All right. Uh, So uh, once again, uh, we'll uh, see you next Sunday uh, where we will be talking about the sensational She-Hulk number one, the comic book. All right. Goodbye, everyone. You've been enjoying Obscurity Now, a podcast that's recorded live to tape and streamed to Twitch and YouTube. Subscribe so you never miss an episode or hilarious quip. Take us with you by following the download links provided in the show notes to wherever you get podcasts. And take notice of our various social media links. If that's what you're into, I'm not here to judge. And make sure you join us live next week at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific as we continue to discuss more obscure media only on Obscurity Obscurity Now. Now.